Consequence Podcast Network. The expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks, and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Once again, welcome back to the What Podcast. I'm Barry. That's Russ, Lord Taco, as most of us know. It's uh, we're still waiting for the lineup to come out. Should come out in the next couple of weeks, and even after it does, one of the things I think we want to do, Russ, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of talk to some people of like minds who enjoy and love this festival as much as we do, and we certainly have a guest this week who i think fits that bill absolutely we do yeah and uh yeah it's good to see you again it feels like we're uh doing a lot of these that's good and yep. uh yeah talking like last week with cassie and then uh this week you know yeah getting a lot of people together that uh are like us have been going for years and uh just have a lot of great stories to tell it's interesting and i, I mentioned it with, with cassie and i'm sure i'll mention it again with anybody we talk about is sort of everybody has a unique story. Everybody has an interesting story or two or three or four, as mm -hmm. we'll hear today about this festival, but there is so much commonality, right? It, it, there is, there's a thread common to all of it. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's interesting that as we've said many, many times, it's become a year round thing. And in the case of Yvonne, who we're going to talk to here in a second, it's become a career. Mm -hmm. uh, Bonnaroo led her to her current career. And I just think that's fascinating. And she mentioned several other people who she works with who have the same experience. Um, we've, you know, you and I met because of this podcast. Correct. You started going because of this podcast. And um, you have a whole new group of friends, right? People you mm -hmm. talk with and communicate <laughs> with. And some of them have been on our show and some of them uh, have been on other shows, Ruham guys and uh, the real Rubus. And I know you got to spend some time with them uh, recently. Yeah, and I got to go on their show. And uh, so you go listen to that. And then we also put up a, uh, I put up a YouTube video of that episode as well. Okay. Um, that was a lot of fun. Lots of people that uh, we all know and love were yep. on there. Yep. I think everybody that was on there has been on our show at least once or several times. I believe so. so. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of fun. So, um, all right, well, let's just get into it. Uh, I think we touch on a lot of what I, you know, might say um, at, as an intro, but I think we touched on a lot of that. So here is our interview with uh, y Yvonne and, um, who started no idea why she was going or uh, she knew why she was going. She was going for the music. She didn't, I don't think she knew how it was going to impact her life <laughs> is probably yeah. a better way to say it, but it certainly has. And she has quite a few stories to tell. Um, so here we go. Here's our interview with Yvonne and thank you to her so much for her time. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the What Podcast. You've got me, I'm Barry. You've got Lord Taco, Russ there in the middle, depending on how the screen breaks up. And with us is Yvonne, Yvonne Aru. <laughs> right? Yes. Hey, everybody. Hi. This is another, another episode we're excited about because it's um, another Bonnaroo veteran, another Bonnarooian with an amazing... I started to say story to tell, but you've got about a dozen or two dozen stories to tell, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to get to them all, to be quite honest with you. And, and I'm not exaggerating or, or overplaying uh, this. No, it might have to be a, a two-parter or a three-parter. Yeah, or a, sure. or a callback or something. Um, yeah. But while we're waiting for the, the schedule to drop, uh, we still think probably going to be around the 10th, somewhere around in that area, 9th, 10th or 11th of January, which would be about the normal time. Uh, I know we've mm-hmm. got some things in the works, so feel pretty confident in saying that. I know we're all excited about it. And, of course, that means it's rumor season for a lot of people and uh, wish list. I mean, it's Christmas, so wish lists are, are – uh, part of the part of what's going on anyway but yeah we we all have our people we want to see and i'm sure we'll talk to yvonne about that in a minute but uh like i said there's a lot to jump into so let's go ahead and and get into it um let's start at the beginning yeah guys i'm not kidding she has about two dozen (laughs) stories well i've so first i've been for 15 years in a row And when you've got 15 years of attending one of the best festivals in the country, there's going to be a lot of crazy stories. You could go to one Bonnaroo and you got like, you know, a lot of crazy stories to tell. But yeah, so first and foremost, I've been 15 years in a row uh, as I started as a patron. And then over the years, I started documenting it with my with my camera as a photographer just for fun just for myself and then over time i i now work in festivals professionally as a living as a festival photographer so that's that's kind of like a sort of overview of of what i do i started as a fan and then loved documenting it so much that i now i shoot you know last year i shot 20 festivals on on the in-house photo team of some of the biggest festivals in the country. So, um, but yeah, wow. so that, that's, yeah, that's all right, we're gonna jump, <laughs> kind of like an overview. We're going to jump all over the place and, and uh, Taco, you, you know her story as well as I do. So jump in with questions, but uh, so much of what you said already. Um, <laughs> did you 15 years ago, was it your goal to be involved professionally uh, with you know festivals and were you a photographer already and how did that evolve because um part of what we talk about on here i talk about a lot is sort of the evolution not only of the festival but people like you and people like us uh mm-hmm. i know 15 years ago i never had any idea that i would be doing a podcast related to this festival but when <laughs> i look back it makes absolute perfect sense you know what I mean? And I think Russ would, would agree. And I know Brad, our co-host, who, by the way, will be joining us again sometime later. He's taking some time off. So we're going to do this show every week if we can um, and t- without him until he joins us back. But uh, just wanted to get that in there. But uh, yeah, so was this ever, when did it become a an idea? When did it become a dream? And then when did it become a reality? Well, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, 
I first fell in love with the festival just as as a fan. And um, the following year, I I, I got a, a press pass and I wasn't there as press, just a friend. I have to give a shout out to my friend, Marlo. You changed my life. Um, he happened to have a, a, a press pass and this was in 2008 where there was no, you know, scanning. You could walk anywhere with a pass and just be right. like, hey, right. and, you know, I like to joke and say, I'm the reason why RFID exists. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if we should thank you for that or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, don't, don't thank me. No, no, no. Um, but back in the, so, but I was always harmless. I just was backstage, yeah. and it was the first time I had, like, been backstage like that at, at this kind of music festival, and I had this press pass, and I just was like, I was just like, wow, this is so cool, and and um, and then so then the following year I got a a handicam camcorder and I just started interviewing people. And again, nobody was hiring me to do this. I just wanted to essentially share my love of the festival back with my friends and try to convince the rest of the world. You have to come to this festival. This is the best thing that has ever existed. It's the coolest thing in the world. You need to come. So I was really just sort of always constantly promoting the festival organically and being, I was a huge cheerleader. That's, that's how you could look at it. I was just like, but I liked to use media to, Mm -hmm. to help, you know, entice Mm -hmm. people to come. And then I started photographing the festival. um, And then that, that sort of turned into this whole music journalism, music photography, a career path, but initially when I started, I was simply just just a fan, and my love of the festival is what fueled me wanting to uh, share with the rest of the world, and so that's kind of really how it all sort of happened. Okay, because because I know a little bit more of your story, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, you're you. St- you would agree you're the type of person that's going to go where they can go until somebody says no. Right. And, and oh. <laughs> part of the, part of what I know is like, you're, you kind of glossed over your very first one, right? You were yeah, sick I did, and then I did. a week later oh. you rode with people you didn't know. And then over the years, yeah. I think you told me when we ran into each other last year um, in back in media area that you'd actually hitchhiked a couple of times, right? Yeah. More than once. And you live in what, New York? I, I, I lived in New York for a decade and I would, I would hitchhike. I, I hitchhiked for net for about nine years. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, and, and not- that's its own <laughs> okay. show on itself. Okay. Right all right. There. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I guess we're just going to jump right into it, but yeah, no, I'm definitely, let's talk about, let's talk about like the logistics here. Um, yeah. My first festival is my first Bonnaroo it's still to this day, one of the most important stories that I, I have to share. So I thank you to, to give me this opportunity to finally share this, this story that means so much to me because it was so life-changing. Um, my, my first year in 2007 at Bonnaroo, uh, leading up to the festival, um, my younger brother and I, we, he, he was in, he had just graduated high school I had just graduated college and we shared music. Like we would always share like cool new bands. And around that time, there was a festival in Florida called Langarado. And we had never been to it, but we would see these lineups and we thought, wow, um, music festivals sound really cool. And then when the Bonnaroo 2007 lineup dropped, I mean, that was when you started going consistently. Mm-hmm. That lineup still to this day is is pretty iconic. It had the police who hadn't played, I don't think had ever played an American music festival. They, I don't think they had even played in America in quite some right. time. I, I, I don't know the logistics, you know, the, the dates, but, but they had, st- it had police and some of my favorite artists, Damien Rice, who is an Irish folk singer, who is just one of the most beautiful folk artists in the world. And Manu Chao, 
who was this international, uh, musically diverse international act that you can't even really describe who hadn't performed in America in like 20 years. And so when I saw those three names on the lineup and then the comedy lineup, which was another big reason why I loved Bonnaroo so much and hope that they'll bring the comedy, maybe not the comedy tent back, but I hope that they bring back comedy because it was the one thing that really made Bonnaroo stick out compared to all the other festivals. Um, my brother and I, we saw the lineup and we knew that we had we had to go. And so I was in New York and he was in Florida. And so we made this plan. We're going to meet in the middle of the country and we're going to do this festival. And so we, we were set on it. So he was 18. He bought his bus ticket and he bought his Bonnaroo ticket because he's a responsible adult. <laughs> he didn't hitchhike? He's, Is that what you mean? <laughs> he did not hitchhike. He, he, he's always had a really good head on his shoulders. But I was an actress living in New York City. I, basically, I was a starving artist, okay? I was poor for a lot of the time. Anyway, so um, so we decided we were going to go to this festival, and I fell sick. I fell very sick, and I ended up in the hospital with a very rare stomach virus that was progressively getting worse and worse and worse, and the doctors really didn't know what to do, and I was up in New York alone. I didn't have any family. I had, like, two friends. Um and for me, as a, I was 23 at the time, I had never been in the hospital. I felt like I was on my deathbed. And I think that when anybody ever experiences a real near-death experience, um, it really changes your perspective on life completely. And I, I thought that I was, I felt like I was dying and I thought I was going to die but then I slowly started getting better. And this was two weeks before we were supposed to go to Bonnaroo. I eventually got out and made it back to my house and was just like, I need to go to this festival. I, I, I had been out of work for two weeks because I was in the hospital. So I didn't have any money. I, I didn't have the money to go. I didn't, I was going to buy a flight. I didn't have the money for a flight. I was going to buy our camping gear. I didn't have money for anything. And I, but I had this very gut instinct that I had to go and that I had to be there with my younger brother and that I had to like protect him. It was this very strange feeling and one of the strongest gut feelings I've ever experienced in my life. Anyway, uh, a friend said, go and the universe will provide for you. And I thought, yeah okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I've never done anything crazy like this before at this point in my life. I found three men who were three friends who were driving from Jersey to, to Tennessee. And I just said, Hey, like this was back on the info like the early info days. Do you remember? Mm -hmm, sure. Sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So this was when it was really popular and I mean, it still is, but it, this was when it was, like pre Reddit days. And, uh, I found a guy who was willing to drive me from Jersey to Tennessee for free. And then on the way to the, to the festival, I, I tell them like, yeah, so I'm hoping that when I get there, I'll find a ticket. And they, and like the car went silent <laughs> and they were like, and they all like looked at each other and they looked at me and, and they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't have a ticket and, and I also don't have any money, but I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in. And it was just this like pure delusion because I had almost just died yeah. and nothing mattered. Nothing in the matter in the world mattered because I was alive. And so like anything's possible at that point. And somehow the driver who's to this day, I need to go back and figure out who this man is because he changed my life. Um, he was able to find a $50 ticket somehow from somebody and he, and my younger brother lent me the 50 bucks. I mean, whatever. So, so we, I got a ticket, I got the ride. So you, you had, I, gonna, you had no money. When you say you had no money, you had no money. I was a, 
aspiring actress in New York City. I, I had no money. I, <laughs> I had no money. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, no, I literally don't even think I had $20 to my name. I had just been in the hospital for two weeks. So, yeah, you know, at sure. that point, there there was no – and and savings for a 23-year-old, that didn't exist, right? Gotcha. So, um Sorry to all the the responsible adults in the world with their finances, but that's just anyway. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm going to skip a little bit because it's I know it's already a really long story. But um, or or can I just tell you this one part that's really special, and then I promise I'll, I'll move on. Sure. This part this it. part's really this part's really special. So when I was in New York, about to hop in the car. I'm on the phone with my brother. He had hopped on a Greyhound the day before. So he left two days before I I was leaving. And he forgot his cell phone charger at home. So he turned his cell phone off. And I said, listen, I hope I see you. <laughs> I, I might be going. I might not. I don't know. I, I hope to see you there. Like, hopefully I'll make it somehow. So, so he has no idea. I And he's on the bus. We're driving down and we, we pull up to the farm for the first time. And it was just this like come to Jesus moment where, you know, like, I can't believe that we made it and that I made it and that I'm here. And, and somehow that's what's so exciting about Bonnaroo is even the journey for most people is such a big part of the story yeah. because mm-hmm. The, the friends backing out at the last minute or the car breaking down on the side of the road or you uh, people quitting their jobs just to get the weekend off. I mean, there's so much that goes into just getting to the festival. And so, so we get there, we pull up and at this point I'm driving and this car pulls over and says, Hey, um, our friends are in front of you. Do you mind if we skip ahead? Uh, we want to camp together. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, we've already, it's already been 15 hours. What's another five minutes. So I'm like, yeah, sure. But then the next car comes and is like, Hey, I want to come. And I'm like, like, all right, sure, sure. And then the third car and like the whole car is just very disgruntled. And they're just like, all right, that's it. Stop letting people in. Like, (laughs) you know, you gotta, we gotta get into. And I was like, okay, all right. Like we're, we're not going to let anybody else in. We're going in next. Like we're, you know, at the, at the checkpoint where you're about to get your car searched and your wristband scanned. And, uh, all of a sudden this mob of like this little mob of what I like to call just a mob of hippies show up on foot. And I'm just like, and they walk in front of our car with, even though there's like 15 other lines to go through. And then we're, and then we're like, Oh God, you know, like, we're like, what the hell? We got to wait for like 15 kids now to get searched and body searched. And then, and then I was like telling the whole car, like, look, we don't know where they came from. They're on foot. Like, let's just let them go. You know, like it was this whole thing where it, cause it was one car after the other, after the other. And talk about blue balls, you know, we're just trying to get in, you know? So anyway, all of a sudden, this one kid turns around and it's my little brother. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) It's my little brother who left on a bus two days before me and somehow arrived at the same toll booth at the same gate at the same time, the same second. And, had I not let those three cars go, we never would have seen them. So to me, like, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's yeah. just, how can you, how can you ever top anything, you know, like this, that's just the magic of Bonnaroo for me. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and, uh, we hadn't even gotten into the gates yet. Nice. Very so, nice. So yeah. So that's my first journey there. Yeah. So we got so much to talk about. We could just keep talking about that first one. So you, like me, you, and like everyone that I talk to, first one meant a lot. You have those magical moments. Um, Mm -hmm. You're determined to go back next year. When did you start hitchhiking? What year? 
Well, technically, so so when I say hitchhiking, it's a little bit different than, although I had I had many times put, you know, actually I would make a cardboard sign. I would mostly hitchhike home. Uh, okay. At, on the on the farm, and I'd get like a cardboard. Okay. And I'd write I write N- NYC. Mm-hmm. But when I say when I say hitchhiking, I I guess I kind of consider it more of like a technological hitchhiking where. Um, this was in the early days where social media didn't really exist, like Instagram, Facebook, I think MySpace existed. Um, but I would just find random people on the internet. Okay. To, mm. so it's a little that bit we're different. Going. I would, you, uh, you weren't out on the side of the freeway hoping you, somebody was going to Manchester. Thumbing, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I would never, I would never thumb my way to, to Bonnaroo but I thumbed my way home every year for nine years. And so what I like to call it is choose your own adventure Bonnaroo. Okay. So every summer I would, after Bonnaroo was over, I would just let the wind guide me and say, how am I getting to New York now? And I would just ask people and I'd find somebody or I'd stand on the side of the highway and they would be like, well, we're not going to New York, but we're going to Philly. And I go, perfect, let's go. And, mm-hmm. and then I'd take a bus from Philly or sometimes I'd take, uh, you know, I'd hitch a ride to Knoxville and then I'd take a train. And so it was kind of like choose your own adventure okay. for, I did that for nine years and then I had to, had to stop that. <laughs> did you document the, that part of the journey as well? I mean, were you taking cameras and uh, did you keep a journal? Have you written any of this stuff yes. down? Nice. Journals, journals. Absolutely. I did. Uh, I was very diligent about journals. Uh, I, unfortunately I've with, with social media, I sort of use my Instagram to share stories or, um, and I, and I, and I wrote a blog for a long time about my Bonnaroo adventures. Can people still um, see those? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Go searching for them, whatever you do. <laughs> God, nobody needs to see whatever I was writing in my mid twenties. Nice. No. All right. Um, now, so the legit going back to the logistics again. I mean, what are you bringing with you? Uh, Very good question. In the early days, I wasn't bringing anything but a duffel bag of clothes. Terrible, terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked with Cassie about that. You got to bring some shade. That canopy. You would think, you would think, especially after many years of heat exhaustion, but it was impossible. I just, I I needed to hitch rides with strangers uh, from New York for, for the first nine years. Because then I started working as press, and then I started working at the festival professionally. So then I was provided lodging and RVs and hotels at a certain point. So, you know, things have changed. But for the first nine years as a patron, um, I could only logistically bring a large duffel bag and, and, and a tent, Although the first two years we didn't, my younger brother and I didn't have a tent and we slept outside and I have a, a photo of us just sleeping on a blanket. Like it's crazy, but we, you know, it was always like finances. Yeah. It was just like, we, we couldn't afford it. Like he mm-hmm. was in college. I was an actress and. There was some pretty good rain that 07 if, year, if I remember right. Uh, and st- I, I don't remember the rain in 2007. But, but yes, so there's been many years of rain and I have been flooded. Yeah, me too. Excuse me. <laughs> we've, I think we've all been yeah. traumatized. Yeah. Oh God. There's nothing I can like tell you when- your uh, air going out of your air mattress while it's raining and you're suddenly in the, <sighs> in the ground, not on the ground, uh, you're in the ground. <laughs> in the ground yeah. and in a puddle. Right. So I, I do have one tip on that note about logistics is I would always, after I got flooded, I think in 2012, like it was, or 2010, it was some serious flooding. I came back from a crazy wild night to my tent and it was soaking wet and there's just nothing worse than your bed and sleeping bag right. being, you know, soaking, like there's nothing worse. So, uh, 
I, I have this trick that I put all of my clothes into a giant black lawn trash bag. And then I wrap all my linen and comforter into a big black trash bag. So when I leave for the day, if it rains, if it pours, oh, nice. I'm coming back to some mm-hmm. dry. Yeah, good one. So that's yeah. a good one. All right. So how did, and this always intrigues people, um, David Bruce being one, you know, I am Bonnaroo, uh, who suddenly, not suddenly it evolved. Same with you, uh, found yourself, you know, as basically working press or working media or working for the festival. How did, how did that evolve? So the first, the first few years I had a handy cam camcorder and I was just interviewing people for fun and wanted to hear their stories. I always loved finding people that had gone every year. So I would look for people that had been all 20 years because now it's 20 official Bonnaroo's. Um, I loved finding those people. And that really was like, wow, I really want to be a music journalist like this, you know, kind of like you. It's like, I want to help share the gospel of Bonnaroo. (laughs) And uh, then I was able to afford a digital camera, like a professional DSLR camera. And I snuck it into Bonnaroo 2014. And I started a photo series called Babes and Beards of Bonnaroo. (laughs) And it was just a photo project. That's me and Barry, Babes Uh, and Beards. Babes and Beards, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, We'll we'll have to, I'll have to photograph you for this series next summer. Um, But it was just a fun little way for me to, um, again, I just wanted to, you know, because prior to that digital camera that I bought, I brought little point and shoots and I brought disposable cameras. And this was the first year that I um, had quality photos that I could create a, you know, a blog, a portfolio. And um, to be honest, the first year that I did it was kind of like an icebreaker for me. I, I had gone with my younger brother for the first six years, but then on that seventh year, he couldn't come. And so it was the first year of several years that I, I went solo. Um, so because I was by myself that year, um, it was a nice way to be able to go and say hi to people and say, Hey, can I take your picture? Mm -hmm. And I would meet like really cool people and, and just sort of fell in love with, with festival photography that year in particular. And then over time it evolved into this like huge passion and, and career. You know, but yeah, that was my first year. It's interesting. You re- you remind me of something I, I didn't really think about because I went basically by myself for oh, 10 years, maybe. I didn't really start hanging around with what became Camp Nut, Camp Nut Butter till eight or nine. I can't even remember. Um, but there's a lot of freedom in being by yourself. I know a lot for a lot of people, it's very scary. They like, you know, I I think I even said to you, I can't believe you did that by yourself, you know, basically getting rides like that. Um, But there it's, it's very freeing, isn't it? You do what you want to do when you want to do it. And you figure out pretty quickly, especially there. uh, People are really very nice. They're happy to share. They're happy to tell their story. Um, So I'm guessing that's the way you found it, right? Yes. uh, I think that everybody in the world, anybody who loves music festivals should attend one festival alone at some point, even if it's for just one day, there's a lot of people in the world and my, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of people, like you said, that are scared and, and I get it as a young woman, as a woman in general, it's, it's, it can be a scary thing. Um, the world can be a scary place. But but the point is, is that there's people who can't see them. They, they worry too much about the perception of 
being alone and doing things like people who can't go to the movies alone or who can't go to dinner alone or who can't go to theater alone. And I, I encourage anybody who has that, that, that stops themselves from doing anything that they want to do because of the fear of being perceived alone. Mm-hmm. I, I, Make that your 2024 resolution and go out and and get over it. Because once you start doing it, soon you don't care at all. And then, and then, it, and like you said, it's very freeing. But yeah, two things. Two things about doing Bonnaroo free about going alone. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell that I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, two things about going alone. To, to Bonnaroo in particular, just any festival, I suppose. Well, no, about Bonnaroo. First and foremost, I've always said, you're never really alone on the farm. You're never really alone on the farm. Because even if you go alone, your neighbors are your new best friends. Yeah, yep. that's true. The, yep. the, the people that are, you know, uh, waiting for the your favorite band to show up the amount of friends you make at Bonnaroo, it, it's, I have so many friends that I met while being alone at Bonnaroo. So that's the beauty of Bonnaroo is you're never really alone. And then second, there's a lot of benefits of going alone to Bonnaroo. Like you said, first of all, the freedom. You don't have to worry about anybody else's food schedule, bathroom schedule, sleep schedule, you don't have to worry about the bands that they want to see. You don't have to worry about whether they're being entertained or not. I mean, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but I, it seems it's no, a no, good, no, it's a good time. Uh, Cause I wanted to mention, um, I think this is sort of a good juxtaposition a little bit. Russ, you were on uh, a really good show with uh, several of our friends who are now our friends because of Bonnaroo, the real Roo bus. Yeah guys and and all of the Ruham guys you had all all six of them it sounded like uh, nice. uh jake reed and uh, uh jake and uh, yeah. parker, parker and michael, and, and michael. <laughs> this was four yep. no it's three um and uh bonadude and uh david bruce joined you and a lot of that conversation uh avon if you haven't heard it i highly recommend it, it was a good episode a lot of good trivia mm-hmm. and it sounded like you guys had a good time but a lot of that conversation was much of what we all talk about is how you meet people you make new friends they become year-round friends um they sh- you share a lot of stories about doing things in group which they've done doing things Mm. as a group. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and we've said on, on this show before, you know, don't go with a, a a spouse or a significant other, if they're not committed, because you'll end up worrying more about them and you both have a bad time. Uh, Don't be locked in on um, what the people in your group are doing, what they're going to see. Uh, I think Russ, you and I talked with Cassie last week. We've, probably been to two shows together and it was because we found each other when we were there. Not that we went together. Yeah. We all all go our separate ways. And to me, that's been a huge part of, of uh, the experience is that everyone, you know, if you want to go, go, if you don't go, it's fine. We're not worried about your, like you said, your, your food schedule, your anything schedule. Uh, Everybody do their own thing, but but everybody manages to find a way to be together. And you, those, so you have all of that. So mm-hmm. I just think that's a really good point that, um, and I've never really only recently have I seen any kind of issues where somebody should feel a little uncomfortable. I've never, mm-hmm. you know, heard a crossword. Oh. Everybody looks out for everybody. Oh, it's yeah. uh, the vibe is that's, that's, that's part of the, the, you know, the ethos that's, you learn that quickly, be cool to everybody. Um, so exactly. Yeah. So it's the one festival that, that it's, it's the only festival in the country that I found after working a hundred festivals that it's, 
the culture, the community, it, it, it does feel like the safest place because yeah. uh, the purpose of Bonnaroo for so many people is that freedom, is, is to be your true self, to be who you are, to, you know, let your freak flag fly, so to speak, for some people. And so, and when I, when I said, like, you know, being worrisome, I mean, I guess just in general, I mean, that just in, just in life in general, life can be a little tricky. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's one of the things I learned early. And I remember coming home telling my wife and, and even coworkers is you, you've, you, you leave there thinking, why can't it be like this all the time everywhere? You know, mm. just be nice, oh man. Gosh. Just be kind. It's really simple. <sighs> it's not hard. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys, do you guys feel that when you go to Bonnaroo and then you leave, you, you, you want to take that there's this essence and spirit of Bonnaroo that you only feel there and you, I try to bring that back to the rest of the world. And it's also a state of mind that I try to carry that with me as well. I try to, it's almost like you Mm -hmm. just let your shoulders drop and everything's going to be great. I, I I don't know about, about Russ, but um, I I feel like I'm able to carry it more year round. And it's partly because of this show and partly because we talk to so many people. Um, you know, if, if I need a little booster or a little reminder, we, we tend to get it. Um, nice. so yeah. yeah, it's, it's really not that hard to just be kind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So cost anything. I, um, I don't have all of the things you sent me in front of me, but you've, you've done, you've compiled, you've done a couple of film uh, shorts, right? You put some stuff together, and and obviously some photos. And I know you sent them to us, and and I'm sure yeah, Russ is going to drop a bunch of those in uh, as we're talking. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. And but you mentioned some highlights for you. So now that you've now that you've done media, and uh, it is mm-hmm. different. It's a different view of the things from back there. In some ways, uh, you get to hang out with the artists and musicians and. And I'm guessing you're like me, you figure out pretty quickly, they're just people like everybody else, but it's still pretty cool to get that sort of, uh, sense of it. So uh, do you have a, I mean, do you, when you're there, do you prefer to hang out back there? You like being out in GA, you like being out in Centeru, or is it all just part of the day that you take it all in? I think that there's, uh, excitement with all of it. I, I I like to end my nights in Centeru <laughs> to some extent because sometimes that's where the parties are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with Where in the Woods, I love going to the Where in the Woods. That's great. That's always a good time. Uh, I think that for a lot of the years, being I, I obviously being in the photo pit is my favorite place because uh, I'm getting to see the music firsthand like right there in front of me so close but then I'm also getting to create art Uh, so that's where I spend most of my time when I'm photographing but there's sort of two parts to my journey with Bonner there was the years that I was a patron and then there were years where the past five years I've been on the video team on the official video team for Bonner so I've been working essentially. So um, this past year for my 15th anniversary, I decided that I wanted to step down from the video team. And like you mentioned, that freedom, I wanted to just work with a couple artists as their creators this year, this past, this past Bonnaroo. But prior to that, I, I was working and I I had no choice where I could be. I had to go be on this schedule at this time and this place. And, and it's, it's, I I will do that at any other festival, but I decided after being on the video team at Bonnaroo for, I think for three years, I was on the video team. uh, I 
can't be locked in a cage at the most freeing place in the world. And I, and, and I will never regret it. I will never forget it. It was some of the most beautiful experiences of my life and an honor to be on the most brilliant team of filmmakers. Um, the team that I worked with for three years is Human Being Media. And for the past decade, they've done any of the videos that you've seen out of, you know, Bonnaroo.com, Instagram. When you're at Bonnaroo and they release that, that daily video, that was our team. Right. So that was the team that, you know, we were pumping out these videos every day. Uh, cool. There's also, yeah, it's super cool. And, and I sent you one of them that I, that I, one of my favorites mm -hmm. that I really love where I did the interviews for uh, that one. Uh, and there's another amazing video team there called Lock and Key Video, and they do a ton of great videos as well. Yep, we've met them. Um, yeah, so they're they're incredible as well. But after three years of, of really uh, capturing the beauty of the festival, I just decided for my 15th anniversary, I really wanted to uh, tap back into the joy and the love of the festival for myself. So I stepped down from the video team and, um, and uh, I think I'm going to keep doing that. I really like mm -hmm. having my, mm -hmm. <laughs> I really like having my <laughs> I get it. free time. Freedom. Yeah. It's, it's like, I get it. I totally get, get it. it. I, you, you know, get I did it. it for, for so many years. Uh, you, for me, you get real excited leading up um, scheduling, I'm going to go see this and lining up interviews and, and all of that. And, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work and people don't believe that, you know, cause they just think you're hanging out with musicians or whatever, but it's, it's doing an interview and then finding a place to sit down with a computer and, and doing your job for, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, yeah. Calling people, trying to get quotes for, to see so you can finish a story. I've seen you have to do that. And somehow you always find yourself, uh, you know, on the other side of the farm from where you want to be mm -hmm. at, at whatever time, you know, you want to be in front of the what stage for this and you're out in camp in GA or something. And, and then again, not complaining. It beats, exactly. it beats anything else I can think of, but I did, uh, there, you know, been some years where I'm like, I'm not, I'm doing the bare minimum, if anything. So <laughs> I totally get it. And, uh, so are you still, are you still, uh, in that mindset now, like this past summer, did you yeah, kind of enjoy yourself? Well, two summers ago, uh, probably a little more and just before, I mean, last summer, um, was all about the podcast, what, whatever work, but I had a short visit. I was only there for what, 30 hours or something because I have a new job. So I didn't get there till mm. Saturday morning. Yeah. And then we had a family issue with an animal. So I had to leave Sunday earlier than I had hoped to. So, oh. um, but quite honestly, if I remember right, Russ, I was, we were still, we had set up so many interviews that we were running, running around doing that, which was yeah, great. we still knocked a lot out when you were here. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So it was work to you to answer your, but um, so I've done both now. I've done mm. all kinds of different ways. What have you mm. seen? Talk about evolution, because uh, you've seen it a lot of different angles. What do you think of sort of how the festival has evolved? Um, what's what mm. stands out for you? I think I'm I'm one of those people for 10 years where I would say Bonnaroo hasn't changed, you've changed. <laughs> <laughs> Some <And> truth. <laughs> I mean, I was just you know and and I still am a diehard fan, don't get me wrong, but uh the festival has changed. The the festival has l legitimately changed. Ownership has changed like a couple times. And when you have new ownership, uh, things are going to change. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the, there's two things 
two major changes. First and foremost, they stopped the comedy tent, and I still say we need to bring it back. Me too. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. There's n- the amount of incredible, insane shows that I would see at that comedy tent was worth the ticket alone, was worth traveling from New York City. You know, it was so strange you, you say that. For me, there was a lot of moments, on, especially in 07 when I started going regularly, where I where I ran into something and thought, okay, this is different. This is why this is different. It's not just a lineup of music. And seeing the flight of the Concords in the comedy tent was, <laughs> first of all, I didn't know who they were and became a huge fan. And then secondly, I was like, that's really cool, you know, that somebody thought of that. And then seeing the NBA finals in a, in a tent there too as a Celtics fan was like, these people, you know, whoever's curating this has me at heart is what it felt like. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Somebody sat there and said, God, there's a game on tonight. I'd like to see it on a big screen. And they did it. (laughs) Was that in the, was that in the cinema tent? Uh, That one was actually outside. They showed it kind of like what they did with Conan the year he was there. He was inside the comedy tent, but they put a big screen out in the, kind of where the water slide is, that sort of area. Um, oh, okay. Yes. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't that, remember that who was screen. playing. I th- it might've been the flaming lips or somebody, but it was weird. Cause you could hear the crowd roar depending on whether the Lakers were scoring or the Celtics were, but it, anyway, it, those kind of moments are not what you expect at a music festival. Right. Exactly. So I, I interrupted your, your answer to your question. Comedy being one, what else are the changes? Comedy, comedy is definitely one of the biggest ones that I, I think that the biggest issue with the comedy tent was the logistics of getting fans into the tent safely. Uh, there was, and, and also just people waiting around for several hours while music is happening just to get a ticket. They started this ticket system. So it was really just a logistics issue that they really, they really just needed to hire somebody that like specializes in that exact thing. Like say when you go to Disneyland, there's a line and there's little barricades. Well, I think it, it was that the, the tent was small. And then I think they also figured out that whatever percentage of the people waiting in that long line were waiting to get in because it was air conditioned. <laughs> if you remember, yes. which was about the only place on the farm you could get any kind of cool air. So I think it's that very had to true, do with it too. but as a diehard com- comedy fan, I was standing in the sun for three hours you, to get air. Were no, you, it was. Were you in that line where the tree was providing little shade, and people would just sit and move as the shade and move? <laughs> That's an image I'll yeah. never forget. Oh yeah, no, that one. I I do remember that tree fondly. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was just a logistics thing. But I, again, I, I do believe that I, I, I think that the people who booked the comedy tent and, and having it be a mini comedy festival within a music festival, there's no other country in the nation that does that, especially not as good as Bonnaroo did. So that's the number one big change. I think the other biggest change was remember over by the Ferris wheel a decade or two ago in the early days, that would be where the little sponsorship area would be. Mm-hmm. And you, if you were like me, you could just put on your, what do, what do you call it when you put on blinders blinders, and just look this way and be like, Bonnaroo, it's not corporate. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right. and you, didn't, you didn't have to look. And you didn't have to participate and you didn't have to care about whatever was going on over there. But then people would be like, Bonner is so, so corporate now, blah, blah, blah. But I, I have to say something to those people. <laughs> As somebody who was like always just like, don't look at it if you don't like it, right? I, I've always been that type of person. But now I really want to talk to those people who say, oh, Bonnaroo's a sellout and Bonnaroo's corporate and all that stuff. I now work with those 
big brands who sponsor the festivals. And just as an example, I work for Red Bull. I'm one of their festival photographers. They provide hundreds of thousands, if not some brands provide a million dollars to Bonnaroo so that Bonnaroo can exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. And so without those big, scary corporations having a presence on the farm, there would be no Bonnaroo. Yeah, no money, no mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we started seeing it five, six, seven years in when they, you could sort of feel their, their push to take care of VIP. And some years I felt like they did it well. And some years I felt like it was being, uh, you couldn't like, couldn't avoid it. Um, they, which was this past, the past two years, you just can't avoid it. No, but I also feel like (laughs) last year, especially two years ago, it felt really bad. Last year, exactly. it felt like they're starting to get a better handle on going back and, mm-hmm. you know, looking at it from a fan's eyes. I've definitely felt that last year, more so than two years ago. And, and probably even in 18 or 19, you know, right before the pandemic. And that mm-hmm. that's part of that transition with AC mm-hmm. and Superfly sort of being bought out by Live Nation, C3, I mean, C3 and, and Live Nation, Nation and yeah. they have a way of doing things. And I, I felt like it lost its way a little bit uh, as a fan from their exactly. point of view. They probably, you know, they were putting, they were tightening things up. Um, but it, so I have to say, especially the last year and a half, two years, and, and I've talked to the people. You know, we've we've had the good fortune, Taco and I have, to talk to the people making the decisions, mm-hmm. and um, a, a lot. You know, not just at that festival, but other festivals, and they're fans. I mean, you you get it yeah. right away. They are, they are us. You know, sort of sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. So well, you know, but they do have to make money. They don't have a festival mm-hmm. if they don't make money. So it's just pure and simple like that. So, yeah, all right. Exactly. Uh, who do you want to see? Who are you hoping to hear called out? Well, I really hope that City and Color, they're a, a folk band from Canada. City and Color, uh, an unknown folk artist called Penny and Sparrow. Mm, they're, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you know Penny and Sparrow? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We got to get them on the lineup. <laughs> they're so underrated and they need to they need the exposure um i I would love to see uh damien rice come back manu chow come back i also love pop i would love to see lady gaga perform um i i'm a i uh, i also am a big fan of magic city hippies i've worked with them a bunch i'd love to see anderson pack Mm -hmm. and the free nationals Mm -hmm. come back maybe even headline the Anderson pack and the free nationals. That would be wonderful. What about you guys? Who are you guys excited to see on the lineup? I, I, I've gotten to where I, it doesn't matter. I mean, we've been fortunate that I've seen most everybody that I want to see, got to see, you know, my morning jacket again last year. So I'm still kind of riding that wave. Um, Yeah. That, that interview was amazing by the way. Wasn't he great? He was (laughs) That was such better. a good one. Yeah, he that was. A, I want to go back and listen to it again. It it was a really great interview. Yeah, really was, great. Um, you know, you hope when you meet people you admire so much like that that they are who you think they are, and he was beyond and uh, so giving of his time and and mm-hmm. his story. I mean, mm-hmm. and mental health was has become such a big topic, and for him to you know, share what he did was pretty incredible. So yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Cause I sure did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved that story that he said where he was backstage trying to get a ride somewhere and they were like, and they're like, no, sorry, it's for this me. is for the roll like a rock star. And he's like, 
That's us. <laughs> I am a fucking rock, rock star. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. That's such a such a hilarious yeah, story. I love that episode. Yeah. So I don't know, Taco. You've I know you've you mentioned on the again the real robust some of the guys you want to see, uh, which I agreed with. I mean, yeah, I want to see Primus come back, and uh, you know we might have missed that uh, Rush tribute show, but uh, yeah, bring back Les Claypool in any one of his twenty-seven bands. I'd be fine with me. I, I agree. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I still some of those bands that the COVID years took away. I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. I'd still like to see Miley. At, you know, yeah, um, some of that still stings when you look back at those lineups yeah. and think, oh god. Yeah, we missed that lineup. That, oh, that lineup. I where I, I am now, Yvonne is. I want to see the few acts that I haven't. You know, the Stones, Van Morrison, mm. stuff like that. I don't know that they're going to play a Bonnaroo, um, but I also I just love going and coming away with a favorite new band that I'd never heard of. That mm-hmm. that to me has become such a huge part of this. So. And I have to admit, I listened to the Ruham guys podcast from a couple of weeks ago, talking about their lists, and I'm pretty sure I knew none. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> I, that's what I love when I listen to you guys read your episodes where you're reading the lineup. I love listening to it, and like as like just as you get further down the lineup. I'm like, I don't know who any of those people are. We don't know. We uh, didn't even know what B2B meant. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Is that yeah. a band? This, these, they're Who's everywhere. B2B? Yeah. yeah. I, re- I feel like I remember that. It's true. I mean, Bonnaroo is definitely one of the few festivals where I'm going to go no matter what the lineup is. Yeah. But there is something really special. And I personally haven't really seen like an all-time favorite at Bonnaroo in a few years. Mm. So I'd like for some of my favorites to come to the farm. So I'll always go no matter who's playing, but um, it's always really special when you, I I, I would love for, for that to happen again. Well, to Mm -hmm. me, you know, we've talked about the, the radiate positively and just be kind to people and all that. And that's, that's a huge part of what the festival has done, but we've said since the beginning, and I mean it sincerely, it, it really brought live music back for a lot of people. Um, and, and we touched on it a little with Danny Clinch the other day, but I thought about it more after we hung up, uh, before Bonnaroo, it was a lot of arena festival shows, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 12,000 people. And they, I don't know if you remember, but the, the industry kind of did away with festival seating. So everybody had mm-hmm. to be in a chair kind of sitting down and it really took a lot of the rock and roll out of music for, for me mm-hmm. and a lot of other people, you know, the, mm-hmm. I, in the, before that you, you got there early and you fought your way to the stage and you tried to get up front to see your favorite act and you didn't know what was going to happen. And it just became kind of cookie cutter quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. with Bonnaroo, not just, you know, you, you know, you're going to see out of 150 bands, there's going to be 50 to a hundred you've never heard of, but you know, they're going to be good. And you know, it's going to be, uh, they're going to do their very best. And so it's, I think it's just changed attitudes about music and live shows. So, um, oh, yeah, for sure. you know. all right, well, we've kept you for a good while. Thank you so much for doing this. Is there anything <laughs> yes. in, on your, your resume? Like I said, we could do oh. a whole nother episode. Is there anything I didn't ask about that you wanted to make sure? Is there a website people can go and see your work? Don't I know say don't look oh. for your blogs, your old blogs, but uh, please God don't. But is there anything <laughs> else that people can go and see your photographs and your videos or Yeah, so so my website is seekthelightphotos.com. So seek S E E K seekthelightphotos.com and that there you could see all the festivals that I photograph. Um, a lot of the videos that I've worked on and, uh, but I just wanted to say thank you to, thank you to both of you because, you know, especially in the early days of the podcast, uh, you know, having something to listen to consistently, keep that energy alive about the farm for a long time, like really helped me get 
to the summer, you know? So I, I wanted to thank you guys for what you guys do, uh, dedicating your time to this. And um, I also want to give a huge shout out to the original founders, the Superfly team. Um, without them, the, the festival wouldn't exist. Uh, Ken Weinstein, who is the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, my man. And then I, yeah. I, I do... I do want to give a shout out to, to my, I just want to give a shout out to, to important people, three important people, Steve, Trevor, and Doug. They are the people who hired me from Red Bull. And I met them because of our mutual love of Bonnaroo that Red Bull ended up hiring me to be their festival photographer. And without their support, I wouldn't be able to do this full time as a career. And so to Doug and Trevor specifically, we like are huge diehard Bonnaroovians and uh, we've all been, I think they've been 16, 17 years. Um, so without their support, um, I, I just wouldn't get to do what I do. And I just really wanted to give them a shout out as well. So very yeah. cool. All right. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. thank you again for your time. Thank you yes, guys. Thank you. We'll talk- See you on we'll the farm. Talk soon. Yep. Yeah. We'll talk See soon. See you on yeah. the farm. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, there you go. We could have talked to her for a long time, right? I know. I feel like we didn't even get into half of the things we could have talked about. Yeah. It's just fascinating. I feel as I could have taken any one of those topics and gone deeper and deeper. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I knew there was a lot we wanted to get to in uh, a limited amount of time. So interesting conversation and you it's pretty clear the passion you can hear it and see it uh in her voice and that's it's amazing man it's there's so many people with like i said not the exact story but similar stories and common threads throughout similar yeah and we keep meeting people and running into people and talking to people that are just like that yeah i'm sure they won't be the last you know we'll have more on I actually got to meet her in person last year mm-hmm. uh, on the farm. And, and that's, that's the other fun part about this is th- you, when you talk to these people, whether it's email or on the show, they become friends, right? I mean, it's really not do. just yeah. acquaintances. So that's the another beauty, beautiful part of this festival. So, all right, Russ, I don't know what our next show will be, but we'll line something up. We'll get something going and uh, yeah. Thanks for listening and, Good to see you. Oh, yeah. Be sure and like yeah. and share and do all that stuff. And if you don't mind, if you got a minute, go on and review uh, this episode Please of the do. show. That mm-hmm. helps That helps us a lot and it doesn't cost you a thing. So Correct. All right. Thanks again to Consequence for letting us do this. Thanks to you guys for listening that also lets us do this. It'd be kind of boring if it was just me and Russ talking to each other <laughs> and doing all these videos. <laughs> just for us. <laughs> yeah. Every week. All yeah. right, guys. See everyone later. Bye. Consequence Podcast Network.